What does success mean to you? How do you define it, quantify it, and how do you get there? What does it really mean to understand your why? Learn the answers to these questions and many more on this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew, and welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. For my returning listeners, thank you so much. For my new listeners, welcome. Because today, like on every episode, I'm bringing you the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to discuss issues relating to the early career physician. Today, we have my friend and colleague, Dr. Keitan Kolkarni. He's a physician, a clinical researcher, a scientist, a passionate entrepreneur, an ardent advocate of financial literacy and independence with alternative income streams, an avid learner, a traveler, a photographer, an artist, art enthusiast, an antique collector, and a music buff. He's also interested in entrepreneurship, business, leadership, investments, while balancing sustainability and social responsibility. Today, he's coming on the show to talk to you about success and what it means to him and everyone else. So let's get Katon right onto the show. Katon Kokarni, welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Thank you, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm well, sir. Thanks for coming on here. Thank you for having me. For sure. So uh, I've already given a little introduction to the listeners, but in your own words, can you kind of tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, so I started like most of us around here as a full-time clinician, and then uh, I became a clinician researcher after about 14 years of training. Uh, and, you know, I got my first promotion in the academic world in five years, only to realize that uh, maybe, you know, the traditional parameters of medicine are not going to be fulfilling fulfilling in the long run. And, you know, I had a lot of interest before, but over the long, gruesome training over 14 years, I had parked them on the back burner uh, and realized that that's not going to work, you know. So despite having, you know, good family support and good uh, sort of friend circle, I was still in the middle of burnout in 2017-18. And then I realized that something needs to really, really shift. Uh, so I slowly sort of decided to take reins in my own hand, you know, as with many others around us, you know, there was no real support. Nobody was talking about it. Uh, all you could hear is that, you know, your job is 24-7. It's your problem. You just have to suck it up and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, I decided that, you know, why don't I embark on some training and further reading and Luckily, I got into this leadership training opportunity, which uh, eventually became a three-year leadership, uh, sequential leadership training course or, or a network of courses. So I did that and that exposed me to coaching, you know. So then I obtained a coaching certification early last year and uh, thus, you know, my interest in really trying to understand and define success, leadership and finances became cemented in, in my own brain. And I've been exploring those topics in a lot of detail uh, and really also coaching other people on the same uh, to the extent that with Francis Yu, uh, who is very popular in different Facebook groups, I and he are on the cusp of launching our book next month. Uh, it's called The Legendary Quest, and it's going to be a book that really defines what the problem is and then hopefully take people on a quest of inner excellence followed by outer excellence. So, you know, that's the coaching side of things. Uh, you know, in parallel, I realized that in addition to being a clinician researcher, I was also interested in uh, reigniting my passion. So, you know, thus started, you know, uh, my interest in developing an art gallery. So I and a partner uh, started an art gallery and we really enjoy that as a side gig. 
Uh, and then slowly, you know, uh, as many others have uh, said that, you know, you have to diversify your income streams and you really need to work on that and take the control of your finances and financial future in your own hands. So uh, the other thing that started over the last two, three years was real estate was real estate investing. And we are slowly building that up and trying to scale it. So, you know, most people kind of tell me that, well, you know, you can't do many different things. I think it's quite the opposite, you know doing the other things and really focusing on what I really want to do, like coaching and real estate, helped me do my day job better, you know, so I've been more productive in my day job and care better for the patients and probably provide better patient care now than ever before. Because if your goals are clear, if your mission is clear, I think the rest will fall in place. And I, I think it's really an experiment, right? We want to do and live to the best of our abilities and keep betting, getting better, maybe 1% a day or so. So that's kind of uh, the short story in the nutshell. Yeah, wow. You know, I have a lot to say, but um, I, I think, you know, it's interesting, right? I hear it all the time. Like, oh, you do so many different things. Yeah. You must be, you know, you must be more burnt out because you're so busy. And, and I yeah. think all those other things is what helps, uh, helps keep some of the, helps the clinical medicine still be interesting, right? Absolutely. And, and still, uh, still keep you present. So, you know, you were talking about when you were, you were burnt out and, and, um, you know, you didn't know what to do and, and you really hadn't, you've lost kind of your, some of your passions mm -hmm. and, and so, so, you know, and you stumbled on this leadership, um, academy type thing. Yeah. Um, it, how, you know, tell us a little more, how did that happen? You know, it's, uh, I, a lot of people tell their stories, well, yeah, well, this just kind of happened to me and then I chased it and now I'm happy, but how did yeah, that really yeah. happen? <laughs> no, no. So I think, you know, sir, I, let me add one more comment there. So, you know, uh, I, I wore a lot of different hats uh, at the provincial level or national level or international level and was always interested in academia, academic medicine, uh, research and administrative stuff. So, you know, for all our early career folks, you know, and, you know, sort of I also lead the early career faculty here at, in, in our department. So we define that as within 10 years of starting your first job. So, you know, at the at, in the early career phase, we are trying to juggle so many different balls, right? And we all think that all of those are extremely fragile and uh, we can't lose everything. What happens, I, I think, in most of our experience is that we compromise things that are really fragile, which is our family life and our health uh, or personal life and health for achieving, you know, uh, growing our clinical practice or business or you know something else that's on the periphery and you know we get it wrong i think you know those things even if they dip a little bit not that we want to do a substandard job but even if they dip a little bit there's a recovery but if you had a major health issue or you know if your personal situation wasn't great that's really very very fragile and you know that's where we probably have got it wrong and i was in the I was, as i was in the middle of it all you know it, it did look a little gloomy because you know uh, at least five years ago uh, I did not come across a lot of burnout literature and, you know, it was just, you got to keep pushing. Uh, luckily, I, I think that, you know, I was lucky that I was seeking help. You know, I was looking, you know, I was always presenting nationally and internationally with my research. So there was a network of mentors, not coaches, you know, mentors to begin with who I was really able to connect with and talk through. And, and you know, through that slowly, some opportunities started coming along. You know, some said, okay, maybe you should really consider what your hobbies are, you know, try to define who you truly are and what you really want to do. And one of the mentors who's in a pretty important leadership position said that, you know what, there's this opportunity, there's some money here, you know, I, I'm going to put together this leadership training for early career professionals, you know, maybe you should apply for it and see if we can sort of get you started. And 
I was very busy in the middle of it all. And I said, you know what, this sounds really, really important. And I really want to understand what this is all about. And that's how sort of it started. So I think it was really being inquisitive and really looking for opportunities that helped, you know. So had I just carried on, maybe I would have never figured it out as to what I should do. And then, you know, as far as being happy, I think we also have got that wrong uh, uh, for the most part, because most of us think that I will be happy when X, Y, and Z happens. Uh, And the truth is that we burn through the things and really park our happiness to some remote horizon that never arrives. I think it's quite the contrary, you know. If we learn to sort of generate happiness in the now and perform optimally all the time as much as we can not to say that we're not going to have good and bad days like yesterday I had a pretty challenging day and I was at the bottom end of my mental frame but if you have a great background framework and foundation I think it's easy to bounce back up and then you know keep carrying on with your goals so that's how the shift started happening uh, four or five years ago so I certainly have a long long way to go but I think certainly you know, with, with a lot of people like yourself and others that are very active and that are influencers, it's it's much more enjoyable and much more worthwhile in terms of, you know, uh, moving forward. Yeah, no, he's, again, you said so much great stuff there. So, um, well, you know, so it was your network, right? It was your network that allowed yeah. you this opportunity. It was it was keeping up with people, your mentors, and, and just talking to people, like I talk about on the show all the time, you never know, right? You never do know no. uh, when you talk to people what's going to come your way. And and as, again, I don't think you or I are, are saying say yes to everything, but yeah. it's, it's a skill to learn how to say no. But uh, certainly uh, when an opportunity comes your way, uh, you could jump on it. Uh, I think that's great. And I think the I'll be happy when is really so important. We all do this, right? We, yeah. Every one of us does this. Um, but you, that when never comes, right? No, it, no, it so uh, living in the now, I think, is a very difficult skill for physicians and type <laughs> A personalities, right? Well, it's the culture um, and training, right? We are constantly taught to really focus. So if I may, if I may make two comments there, you know. Uh, yeah, please. Right. So I think in the physician culture, we are really sort of gaining a skill set to focus on one thing. Uh, you know, we are very good at fixing the patient problem in the moment, you know. So it's almost like, we're missing the forest for the tree. You know, we're very good at identifying the tree, but we miss the forest because that's the culture of medicine, right? So we have to sort of learn to defocus. One of my really nice mentors taught me this, that, you know, we, we are really bad at defocusing and looking at the big picture. So that's what we really have to learn as leaders, as physicians, as physician entrepreneurs or whatever you want to call it. I think that's that's one piece. And I really like what you said just before that, that, you know, learning to say no, I think, especially for early career professionals, you know, it's so difficult, right? You want to get established. You want to have a good name for yourself. You want to look good. You want to carve out a national or international name in your specialty. You want to really publish your research. If you're uh, an educator, you want to establish your educational program and so on and so forth. So, you know, whether we like it or not, there is this 24-7 chain of opportunities with internet and media. You know, it's all constant feeds, right? I'm sure you get two, three, four hundred emails a day, I get the same. It's very difficult to weed through that and make sure you truly respond to the important stuff. So I think it, it then comes down to task and time management that, you know, what is truly really important for us? And then, you know, what's aligning with your career plan? And it doesn't have to be set in stone, but I think there's this need of constant reappraisal of career plan and good mentorship and coaching every few months. Uh, and, you know, I think mentorship somewhere has sort of morphed into coaching and vice versa. But I think they're so distinct, right? Because mentors are really telling you uh, that this works and this doesn't work, but not necessarily asking you 
how to acquire the skill set to truly know what your authentic goals are. I think that's where coaching comes in. And that's why I think it's so powerful, at least in my experience, that, you know, some of the coaches almost broke me before they started putting me back together. That Well, wait a minute, you know, this is why you think like this. They're not telling you what to do, but they're showing you how, how you're thinking and how you're feeling and, you know, what your overall agenda is. So it can be a very powerful mechanism for people to really, you know, accelerate in their, in their own authentic directions. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's that's a really good point. So, you know, you talk about success, right? Uh, success yeah. is one of the, the tenets of, of what you talk about. So, so here's the question. So, what what is success? You know, what is that? Mean? And I and I'm sure that's individualized. But yeah, but how do you talk about success, and how do you learn about success as it pertains to the individual? Yeah, I think that's that's a phenomenal question. And you know, Francis I and I have really tried to tackle that in great detail in our upcoming book. But, you know, I think traditionally most of the metrics of success have been external. You know, for example, it's easy to measure, right? X person has, say, $5 million network. Well, that's indisputable. You know, if that's very easy to measure or X person is the CEO or the director or this and that. So unfortunately, I think most of the metrics of success we have are extrinsic to us. And that's where the problem begins. I think, you know, we really need a more comprehensive definition of success in today's rapidly changing world where, you know, traditional hierarchical systems are becoming rapidly obsolete. Media and technology are changing so fast. You know, even traditional parameters of success are not becoming not that important, right? So so then, you know, how do we really get to the science of it? You know, it's not airy-fairy. I think there's very well-established criteria, you know. Uh, Some of the Harvard reviews have done a great job in addressing this, that, you know, they feel that success is more like a kaleidoscope. It's more like a 3D hologram that really, truly is individualized, but it does have the same components for all. So, for example, one model would tell us that success includes, you know, achievement at the level of the individual, at the level of their family, work, community, nation, worldwide, whatever else. Another pillar of success is joy. You know, are you happy in what you're doing? And then are you you know, taking that happiness at your level, at community level, national level, international level. But the other things that people miss out are the significance of their work, which means, you know, how are you influencing and impacting other people in a positive way and legacy of their work, which is how are you, you know, positively impacting other people to do what you're doing or helping them achieve their own personal goals. So success has to be this, you know, your own personal network of these things in varying proportions, right? And only an individual can truly know what it is that's adequate for them. For example, you know, somebody might be perfectly happy with a $50,000 a year lifestyle. That's their dream lifestyle, you know, if they have the geographic freedom, if they have the time freedom and everything else. For somebody else, it might be five times that or 10 times that. But only that person can can truly decide, you know, uh, what's important to them. So once again, you know, I keep referring back to our, our book, but, you know, Francis, you and I, we've tried to develop something called a success blueprint, which really helps people go through all this process and really map out, you know, what is it that's truly important to their authentic self and and, and then create a proper roadmap of, you know, short term, intermediate term, long term goals in all aspects of life. So I I really wish I had done that 15 years ago. You know, I would have uh, made many decisions differently. But I think there's a lot of information available out there uh, in public space now that, you know, most of us can utilize uh, that information to sort of improve our own understanding and definition of success. So I, I think, you know, in a nutshell, success is really a personal journey, right? I mean, we are constantly asked to look 
outside of ourselves. But I think true success truly is internal and external, right? If you're not internally aligned and internally happy, it doesn't matter what we have. I mean, the famous story of uh, the Minecraft billionaire, right? I forget the name right at this moment, but he he said he, he said that you know after he broke up with his girlfriend, he was worth over a billion dollars, and he was never as lonely in Ibiza partying with his billionaire friends as ever before. So that tells us a lot, right? I mean, this person had achieved all the metrics of success that most people probably will never achieve or it's beyond their dreams. And yet internally, he was not happy. Another example is Robin Williams, right? An actor who is world-class and worth over $100 million with so much significance and legacy, you know, ultimately was totally depressed, right? So it, it really... I think um, as, as a collective group of physicians, we really need to start looking inward that, you know, uh, let, let's not sacrifice the person for the system, you know, let, let, the, let the person sort of be optimal so that the system can better align with what the individual needs are. So I, yeah, I think this great. topic is probably a whole day conference or, or more, right? <laughs> oh, at least. Yeah, I think so. That'd be a good conference. We should get yeah. one together. For sure, um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think people also rate uh, it's all perspective because even yeah. if you're looking at the at the outward measures of success and you have a five million dollar net worth, if you're yeah. sitting in a room full of billionaires, you're not successful, right? Yeah, well, um, or, you, or you think so, right? <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. exactly right, and and I think we do this all the time as yeah. far as looking forward instead of looking backward. You know, if if you look backward to all, you know, to to most of America. All physicians are very successful, right? Yep. Um, very, very high earning potential, like tip, pinnacle of their career, et cetera. Uh, and you go to your average doctor who, who's burnt out and unhappy and they'll be like, oh, no, I'm not successful at all. Right. So, yeah, um, I think that's that's so good to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a few things uh, that are so important there. Right. I mean, yeah, they have a high earning potential, but you you don't account for a number of different things. You know, they're not making that salary from age 22. There's a 10 to 15 year delay before they start making that kind of money. You know, secondly, their job hours are not eight to four. You know, the job hours are often more like eight to eight or longer, you know. So they probably work about double of what an average person works. And thirdly, you know, most of those jobs don't come with a defined benefit pension plan you know, or, or whatever else that, that comes along with other salaried, prof- uh, you know, uh, professions. So it, it really is sort of a very unique place where, you know, your remuneration in North America is decided by the payer and often not by your the by, by the level of your skill set, right? As, at least in the Canadian system, you, uh, you have a single payer system, which is the government, right? So you could be a world-class plastic surgeon, but you're just not going to you're not going to be able to build whatever you want for it, right? It's only under the, yeah. the you know premises of what's allowed under the regulated system, you know. So it's it's such a complex phenomenon that you know uh, that that's so important to explore. That most of physicians appear to be successful, but when we look closer than the surface and go below the skin, you know, they are really like you know. I, I think I've traveled to. We, we typically try to go to three, four international conferences at least pre-COVID. To present our work and you know i've met all kinds of world-class experts in in the fields and this and that and when you when you ask them well how is it going the quick immediate response i hear most of the time is oh my gosh it's so it's so busy it's so crazy well i think that's <laughs> kind of crazy right if you're so important in the world and so crazy uh, then why is it so crazy right <laughs> you should say oh i'm great you know uh, i have these 300 publications and life is good but that's not what you hear you know they're they're almost panting you know like they're just trying to get through the motions and you know it's so funny you know one time I, I, I sent an email to a Canadian expert in 
in blood clots, you know, at like one o'clock. He responded in about five minutes. So that that's the so I don't know if whether or not you would call that person successful, right? It's very difficult, you know, to to yeah, draw it's, it's really it's that's something. I mean, it's uh, it, it's so true, and that that how's it going question is is so loaded all the time when it really <laughs> it, it shouldn't be, but it you know. You ask somebody how's it going, and you've got a, a one-hour discussion with them. Right? Yeah, yeah, it um, happens. You know, it, it happens. You know, one time there, there was a very famous researcher uh, in, in Canada. You know, they have they had multiple national, international grants, and I had a meet and greet coffee meeting with them, and then that ended up being a four-hour rant that they had so many problems under the sun, right? So it it really is eye-opening to get to know some of these experts uh, personally. Like Jim Carrey said, right? He wish wishes everybody was rich and famous. And they would know that's not necessarily the answer. True. Well, so Ketan, let me ask you this. Um, so uh, let's let's play a little game. So sure. I'm uh, I'm a doctor, and uh, I don't know. I'm an ER doctor, and I sure. and I just graduated from residency, and I, I'm taking my first job, and you know, it's it's tough. It's busy yeah. all the time. I'm seeing yeah. a million patients. I'm, I really I don't know if I like this, even though I just got out of training. Yeah. And I'm burnt out already, but you know, this is what I'm trained in. I got to do this for for 50 years. Yeah. Now, what what am I going to do? So what you you have a blank slate to talk to this person. They've never heard of coaching. They don't yeah. know about alternative income streams. They don't know about anything else except they got to yeah. be an ER doctor for the rest of their lives. You know, you've got five minutes. What would you tell this person? I've got five minutes. Well, that's quite a challenge. <laughs> I, I think I, I would I think I would forget about all the stuff that you just said. I would just ask that person you know, a few questions. I would, the first question I would ask is, what do you like to do? How do you spend, how would you love to spend your time irrespective of, you know, the money? And if no, there was no barriers like time, money and space or anything, what would you like to do is what I would say. You know, what's your favorite things to do? What are your hobbies? And then I would build on that. You know, the next question I would probably ask is, you know, how was their lived experience? You know, what are the key highlights in their life? What are the key successes, key failures? And I would really try to see, you know, why they got into medicine and why they became an ER doctor. I think we would have to really undo the slate and make sure make sure it's truly blank before we start putting in all the layers. I would really want really want to just know the person in five minutes to make any suggestions, you know. And that's what I think. Uh, that's a great question because I think that's what's not done, right? Like we we never really get a chance to know that person and know what their priorities are, what their lived experience is, and you know, before we start building. Anything, I would try, try to have a really good foundation of who they are, what it is that they want, and how do they see themselves sort of in the moment or in, in, in terms of their daily lives and, and future just goals, you know, regardless of any barriers. And then, you know, it would be probably many, many, many weeks of work with them to really figure out how they're going to get there. So I think that that's huge. You know, I think in five minutes, I would just want to know who that person is, where they came from, and what they—what is it that they truly desire? If there were no barriers, that's great. That's you know that's so important, right? Because even when I work with my own clients in the career space, it's all right. Let you know, I want a job. I want a different job. Let's get there. Yeah. And it's it's like no, we got to spend weeks talking about what makes you tick, right? Yeah. Um, we can't start looking for a job because you don't want to go for from a job you hate to another job you hate. Absolutely. Uh, Cause you, know. you never figured out what, what, who you are. So um, I think that's a perfect answer. Uh, and, and, and it's, it takes a lot of time because there's years of trauma of there's years yep. of, of just building up this building to this point where 
you're just miserable and there's so much to unpack there. So yeah. I think that is a perfect answer. I don't know what Francis would say. Francis needs at least two hours. But, yeah, well, at least, uh, <laughs> if not six hours. <laughs> yeah, and, and he does but, a fantastic uh, job, I think, but still. Yeah, that's fair. No, I think that's a great answer. And it, it's really important, you know, and I talk about how this is like the the, the hokiest part of what I do, you know, the, lo- the most soft part of what I do, but it, it's the most important because yeah, if yeah. we don't know who we are as people, then then we just can't move on. You know, we can't yeah. we can't get to the next step and all people want is the next step but we can't get there until we, we see the last 10 steps right well i mean that's so right because you know most of us including myself i mean i still get trapped into these evolutionary mental traps right our mind constantly yeah, thinks yeah. that you know if i get to xyz i'll feel better but then there's other issues on there which is stuff like impact bias right i mean people think they they truly do overestimate the value and impact of something that they will or will not achieve in life. And then the third thing that makes everything worse is the hedonic adaptation, right? I mean, we just get used to whatever it is. So, you know, there's lots of data that people who get newly married, suddenly you're very happy, but in six months, their happiness level is back to their baseline. So, you know, just changing your ER job from, say, you know, Texas Children's to John Hopkins is not going to fix the problem. <laughs> It'll come with a new set of problems, right? So, uh, I mean, rarely there's the situation when it's a toxic work environment or there's some kind of bullying or something something clearly that's wrong. But, you know, other than those situations, if we are thinking that we'll fix the system and get around it, it's just not going to happen, right? I mean, we're just going to end up like, I've ended up meeting so many administrators and leadership uh, people in leadership positions across country. And it's hilarious. You know, there's this Canadian Society of Physician Leaders and they meet once a year and and you go into these breakout sessions, like you almost feel like everybody's saying the same thing. They they just have different problems in different degrees of magnitude, but they're all the same problems. So you just kind of shake your head off saying, oh, okay, you know, uh, this is what it is across the board. So if if it's across the board, same here, then there's no reason to believe it's going to be something else anywhere else, right? So uh, it, it's quite, yeah, I think that's, you know, I, I've gotten to the point in my life too, where, you know, people talk to me about like, well, you know, we have all these problems with medicine. Like, don't you want to try and fix a system? <laughs> and, and my completely not selfish answer is no. Yeah. Um, and I leave that for better. I leave that for people who, who are, are better at it than me. I want to fix me and my <laughs> life. And sometimes I say, I want to do things or I don't want to do things just because I want to, or don't want to do things. Right. And yeah. that's okay. Um, and the, the people that are there in the advocacy world and the people that are working to try and fix the system, I love those people and I want to help them yeah. as much as I can, but I'm not going to fix the system and I have no desire to do so. No, no, absolutely. And, you know, and that's, and that's what, I think that's not selfish at all. I think that's a choice. You know, some people are truly in the advocacy space and it's really good for them. I mean, uh, but as anybody knows, you know, it's going to take a lot, you know, as one of, you know, I knew a pretty high level director, as he was saying, you know, the higher up in the hierarchy you are, the lower do you see the impact of any changes into the bottom, right? So it's going to take huge political will and major systemic changes, right? Uh, to to induce that kind of a change because it's enormously expensive, right? I mean, think about it. I yeah. mean, if people were working properly and, you know, they were sufficiently staffed and everything was hunky-dory, the cost of healthcare would like phenomenally quadruple or whatever, you know, whatever the multiple is. Uh, it, 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 you know, it's countries cannot afford that. Right. So, you know, it, there's so many layers to the system, you know, you got the government, you got the administrators, you got the hospital stuff, you got the red tapes, you got the dinosaur weights and it's really complicated. I'm not trying to blame shift, but I'm just saying that 
we are a cog in the big system, right? So it, it, you cannot wag the dog with its tail all the time, right? It's not going to happen. So yeah, I think an point. easier goal for most of us is to first align ourselves and, you know, make sure we are as authentic as possible. I mean, you know, we will have those components of job that we don't want to do, but, you know, if we can make our jobs optimized or work up, I, I hate to use the word job, but our work optimized and impactful and meaningful. I think those little pebbles in the shoes will hopefully start bothering us less and less, you know, as, as we start to grow into other branches. Yeah, well said. Well, Keaton, we're going to shift the show a little bit um, just to get to know you as a guest a little bit better. Sure. Um, so it sounds like you like to travel. What, what else do you like to do for fun? Uh, well, uh, so, you know, uh, I used to like to paint a lot, you know, so that's been a little bit on the back burner since uh, all the coaching and real estate stuff has taken off. You know, uh, I've certainly, I, I used to be an academic writer, you know, I published a lot of papers, but now I found a huge interest in sort of writing, uh, you know, like uh, non-academic stuff like books and stuff like that. So, you know, we're fin- we've just finished our first book. It's going to come out next month. We're already planning to work on our second book. So I think I'm going to keep that. I also like to hear, uh, listen to music, you know, and attend shows and stuff like that. I, I find music, you know, regardless of the language, has its own language and it's so peaceful. So I love music, you know, I love food um from all cultures you know it's uh, i find it fascinating i find that as a huge binding fabric uh, across the world that you know good food will get a smile on any face right so i really like food and uh, you know i like talking to people you know i love talking to people and figuring out who they are you know there's so many commonalities and you know helping people with their finances or you know just solving their problems you know even if it's informal right they don't have to be like coaching uh, clients but you know lots of friends and acquaintances who come with their issues that you know what should i do about this what about the insurance what about the stock what about you know planning uh love to share and love to learn from from people so you know that consumes pretty much most of the day now so uh you know uh, as i align uh, myself more i think i i see myself continuing sort of to develop the tribe you know i i, I like the word tribe i don't know who coined it but i think it's really the tribe of uh you know aware physician entrepreneurs who are who are willing to take the responsibility uh in their own hands and try to you know optimize themselves and also help others do the same i think that's how i see uh me myself moving forward but i think you know the point you're trying to make is that small hobbies you know like even simple things like just a walk in the park or walk in the nature are huge right i think we really undervalue um, our hobbies and things that we like to do to to unwind Right. I think that's Even really, that, really important. I, I remember just uh, in residency, I never read. I, I didn't have time to read. I didn't read at all, you know, other than academic things. And then when I got back into just reading for fun, when I was in attending, you know, I was so much more satisfied and happy in my life. And it's just the, the little things. Right. Yeah. No, it's so true. Right. I mean, I did sort of uh, quit, almost quit reading through sort of residency and fellowship for a number of years other than uh, academic literature. Uh, and then, you know, just talking to people, you know, I, I, I often say this in sort of shows that, you know, I've learned so much more from people not working in medicine, you know, some somebody else in another field, like, you know, real estate or accounting or lawyer, they have their own world and you you learn so much about the commonalities and differences. And, you know, I think ultimately it's really understanding what is it that matters uh, that's going to keep us uh, more happy and fulfilled in life. Very true. Very true. Well, on the subject of reading, do you have a book recommendation for the listener? 
<laughs> yeah, I think I could give a hundred book recommendations, but I think <laughs> it really uh, it really depends. You know, I mean, uh, lately I've been uh, reading some work by Simon Sinek, you know, or Simon Sinek, depending on uh, who calls it. I, I really like his work because his mission and vision is somewhat kind of it resonates a lot with uh, physician entrepreneurs. You know, he likes to find his best version and vision, and also. Uh, helps others do the same. So, you know, a lot of his work uh, I find uh, pretty powerful. So I think uh, one of the books that I, I, I worked through in the recent past was Find Your Why. And and that's really a great book, I think. You know, it, it goes through the whole process of finding your why. It takes three or four hours. And preferably you have to do it in a pair or th- a group of three where, where people know you a little bit. And that really will, uh, if you do it properly, it really does get you to the bottom of what is your why, right? I mean, why are you doing all these things? So, I mean, your five-minute example uh, question, you know, to that person, eventually I would have loved to do that exercise with that person that, you know, okay, why are you doing this? And then when you clearly identify that person's why, the rest will hopefully follow. Yeah, that's a great book. I agree. Um, So you've given us a lot of great advice already on this show, but if you could give the early career physician just one single piece of advice, what would that be? I think it would be be inquisitive, you know, ask questions, you know, just just don't take anything for granted, right? I think we have this uh, culture in medicine that it's a grind, it's long work hours, success doesn't come easy, everything has to be delayed, you're 24-7. You, you don't have to get into that cultural trope, I think. And you you might get lots of flack for it, but but I think it's important to question and stand up for what you truly believe in, right? And And slowly but surely, change will happen, you know. I mean, when I when I kind of signed up for the early career faculty uh, leadership position here, that's what happened. I never thought I could put all few dozen people together to get into one unified voice. But, you know, over a period of one year, we slowly did like small group meetings, one on one meetings. And, you know, we, we figured out that, you know, on the surface, people were saying different things. But below the surface, everybody was kind of saying the same thing. So I think, you know, with some good leadership skills uh, and keeping an inquisitive mind, you can really try to sort of, you know, at least optimize yourself, you know, whether the system will change or not is a different question, but at least you can be very happy at your jobs and be very productive and lead successful lives. So I, I would say just yeah. ask questions, you know, I, I think that's what I, Albert Einstein would have said. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, Keitad, if, if people want to learn more about you or what you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah, I think uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to connect with anybody who's interested. You know, I'm always looking for connecting with new people, working with people. Uh, so I do run the Facebook group Savvy Physicians. You know, there's a number of people uh, in it and we have some great discussions. But if not, then they can always email me. You know, my website is uh, SavvyPhysician.ca uh, for Canada. So, you know, just reach out to me via, via email or phone call. You know, I'm happy to connect anytime. Great. Well, Keitan, thank you again so much for coming on the show and, and having this awesome chat with me. I really, I really did enjoy it. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I really appreciate the opportunity and look forward to future work. Absolutely. Take care. What a really wonderful conversation with Dr. Kulkarni. I really enjoyed his thoughts about success, passion, external markers, and really everything we had to talk about. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave me an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. It really helps get this podcast out there. The other thing I'd like you to do after listening is visit my website, andrewtisserdo.com. 
You can find my free video series as well as my guide on marketable skills, all the podcasts, recommended resources, and much more. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And remember, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tisser DO, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.